presence of Jesus is wonderful, isn't it? He's wonderful. And let's not kind of feel like we're moving on to something else now. This is still about being in the presence of God and listening to what he has to say. So we're continuing our series on just Jesus. And uh, this morning I'm talking about Jesus, the rock. And uh, so the passage is from 1 Corinthians, just if we can put that up. Thank you. So 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 4 says, They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. I'll explain this in a minute. But when we think about the Bible, the Bible is a story. Yes, it's made up of lots of books, but the Bible is basically one story. It's the story of God's chosen people and his plan for salvation for mankind. It is one story. And the whole of the Bible points to Jesus and salvation in Jesus. So when we read the Old Testament, there's stuff that we read that might be telling us about things that happened in those times, in those days, but actually they're also telling us about Jesus and proclaiming him and prophesying stories and and, uh, information about Jesus, about who he is. They're pointing to him. Jesus frequently quotes the Old Testament when talking about himself. And the New Testament writers frequently refer back to Old Testament stories when talking about Jesus. And this is one example in 1 Corinthians. And it's a reference to the Israelites wandering in the desert. And you might remember I referenced that last time when talking about Jesus being the bread of life and the manna that was provided in the desert. Miraculously, God provided food for the Israelites. But God didn't just provide food. There's two occasions in the time of the Israelites wandering in the desert, (coughs) excuse me, when he also provided water from a rock. And Paul in Corinthians here is making the connection between the miraculous provision of water from a physical rock in the desert that, which brought them life <clears throat> and Jesus, the spiritual rock who brings eternal life. Now I'm going to cough, so I'm just going to move this out of the way. Sorry. <clears throat> So today I want to look at what it means that Jesus is our rock. And I want to look at four things. So the rock of salvation, a precious cornerstone, a stumbling block, and a sure foundation. So first of all, Jesus is a rock of salvation. Psalm 95 verse 1 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Our salvation comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus. He is our salvation. And that salvation is secure. It's a rock on which we can stand. It's immovable and unchangeable. Jesus is the rock of our salvation, our certainty of salvation in him. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you've repented and turned to him, surrendered your life to him, you can be absolutely certain of your salvation. Absolutely sure. It is secure. 
Now, there are many references in Scripture to God being our rock, and these can give us a bit of an understanding of what it means for Jesus to be the rock of our salvation. And Psalm 18 is a really good example of this. It's one of my favorite Psalms. So, from verse 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled round me. The snares of death confronted me. And we go on to verse 16. He reached down and from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Now, David was talking literally here about being rescued from his enemies. But this is also a picture of our salvation in Jesus. Now, while David was running from Saul, he hid in the mountains, in the rocks, in caves. And it would have been something a bit like this. So that was a bit of an idea of what the environment would have been like for David at that time. So when he spoke about God being his rock, he was thinking about, This landscape, the immovable, secure rock, safe, that rock that was literally his refuge. Jesus is the rock who reached down and took hold of us, who has rescued us from death, from the consequences of our sin. He is the rock who continues to rescue us to help us to resist the enemy and defeat sin. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He is the certainty of our salvation. He is the security of our salvation. Is that good news this morning? Good. (laughs) Secondly, he is a precious cornerstone. So Isaiah 28 verse 16 says, So this is what the sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. So Isaiah is referring to Jesus here. And Peter then quotes this passage later on in 1 Peter in his letter. And he says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, according to Wikipedia, a cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. 
So a cornerstone is a vital part of a building. It's a vital part of the foundations of a building. It ensures that the building is built true and firm. It ensures that the walls are straight and everything's in its proper place. If the cornerstone is out of place or missing, the whole structure would be out of position, would not be secure or with able, with able to withstand the elements. So Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He's the cornerstone of the universal church, and that's every Christian throughout history, throughout the world, everyone who's believed in him. But he's also the cornerstone of this church. He is the foundation on which we build. Now, this passage says that we are being built together on the foundation of Jesus, joined together in him to be a dwelling place of God. We are living stones. Every one of us is vital in the building of this temple. Each one of us joined to each other to make a place where his presence can dwell. Ephesians 2, Paul goes on to say very similar things. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what is this temple like? Well, these passages tell us that it's a holy temple. And it's a place of spiritual sacrifices. So we are living stones being built into this temple. So it matters what our lives are like. Holiness matters because this is a holy temple. And when we come together, we come to bring a sacrifice, to bring a sacrifice of worship, of service, to offering of our whole lives, as Romans 12 tells us, about our whole lives as a living sacrifice. Together, me and you, and you and you, and you and you, are being built as a dwelling for his presence. That's why it's so important that we meet together. Because we are all stones in this temple. We are all being built together as a dwelling place of God. And that's why when we meet, we're so passionate about wanting the presence of God in this place. Because that's what the temple is all about. It's a place for him to dwell. So we know he dwells in the temple of our hearts. But when we come together, we're building something, a temple for his presence to come. Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple of his presence. So when we make Jesus the cornerstone, when we make him the most central, the most important part of everything we do, we will experience his presence as he comes to dwell in this temple, the gathering of his people. That's exciting, isn't it? That together we can bring temple of his presence. So Jesus is our rock of salvation, our precious cornerstone, and thirdly, a stumbling block. Now that doesn't sound particularly positive, does it? 
But Isaiah 8 verse 14 says, He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. For the, and for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Psalm 118 says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. These passages in the Old Testament are prophecies uh, referring to Jesus. Now, Jesus came to bring salvation. He came first to the Israelites, the Jewish people, because they were the people that God chose to be the vessel by which he would bless the whole world. Salvation would come to the whole world. But we know that the, the Jewish people, his own people, rejected him. So he, he came to be that cornerstone, but he was rejected. And in Acts 4... Peter is explaining how the lame man was healed. Remember that he, he healed the lame man at, at the temple. And he quotes this passage in uh, Psalm 118. So Acts 4, verse 10. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So Peter is clear in telling the Jews that Jesus is the cornerstone that they've rejected. In fact, he changes the wording of the verse slightly from the stone the builders rejected to the stone you rejected. He's making it really personal. So Jesus came to bring salvation, but the people he came to rejected him. They didn't understand him. They fought against him. They opposed him. And ultimately, they killed him. Jesus, Jesus didn't come purposely to make people stumble, to make life difficult. But people stumbled because of their rejection of him as the cornerstone. Paul also refers to this stumbling when he quotes Isaiah 8 in this passage in Romans 9 from verse 30. <clears throat> What shall we say then, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, that's me and you who aren't Jews, have ob obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. <clears throat> so the Jewish people were brought up to obey the law, but they'd missed the point that it wasn't about the works, it was about faith. It was about a relationship with God. And the whole idea of salvation by faith, not works, was a stumbling block. They missed the point. They didn't see that the whole of their history was leading them towards Jesus. They didn't recognize the scriptures that were pointing them to Jesus, pointing them to him as their savior. Now we know that Jesus came for their salvation and ours. He was rejected then and he's still rejected today. In some versions, the passage in Isaiah 8 is actually translated stone of offense. The Jews were offended by Jesus. And as we know today, 
not everyone responds well to the good news of Jesus, do they? I'm sure all of you have had instances where you've tried to talk to someone about Jesus and they've either been offended or not interested. They've rejected it. We shouldn't be surprised by this because we're in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy who wants to keep people away from the salvation of Jesus. And to some people, Jesus is a stumbling block. That whole idea of salvation by faith, by grace, is a stumbling block. They don't understand. Or a stone of offense, and they take offense. And they need the revelation of the Holy Spirit that is the same as what we needed in order to see the Holy Spirit, see through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the rock of salvation, not a stumbling block. And finally... He is a sure foundation. So we've already read Isaiah 28, 16. See, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I say, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Now, I'm sure that most of you have had some experience of walking through mud, yes? Now, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened to my mum last Christmas. So she went for a walk with my sister Heather and Heather's daughter Becky. And uh, they'd been walking through um, some fields and they'd managed to avoid the worst of the mud until they came to a place where there was just no alternative and they had to go right through it. So Becky went first, and my mum thought it would be a good idea. She thought, well, Becky's got through, so I'll put my feet where she put her feet, and then I'll be all right. Unfortunately, she put her foot down, and it sank into the mud. And when she tried to get her foot out of the mud, she fell flat on her face. And her trainer came off and remained in the mud. She then couldn't get up because there was nothing solid to hold on to, and she was laughing too much. My sister and uh, Becky, uh, once they stopped laughing, um, uh, or while they were still laughing, had to actually physically haul her out of the mud. And, uh, and then Heather had to go back and dig out her trainer, which was very buried in the mud. And this is a picture of my mum when she'd come out of the mud. Now, my mum did give me permission to share this, because um, she watches the stream quite frequently, so I wouldn't have got away with it. So, hi, Mum. So, but it's a great illustration of how unstable mud is. You know, if you fall over in mud, there's just nothing solid to get a hold of, is there? There's no solid foundation. There's nothing secure to hold on to. You can't get out of it by yourself. When we accepted salvation from the rock of salvation... Our feet were placed on the rock. We were lifted out of the mud and the mire. I love the way that Psalm 40 puts that. It's so true. Without Jesus, we're standing on the mud. We are standing on the mud and the mire. We're in the pits. There is no way out. We cannot get ourselves out. But when we come to Jesus, we are taken out of the mud and our feet are placed on solid ground. That old life has no stability, no security, and we're destined for judgment because of our sin. 
and we're taken out of that through the love and grace and salvation of Jesus and our feet are placed onto solid rock. That's good news, isn't it? But we have a choice how we build our lives. So very famously, we, most of us will know the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And Jesus told this parable in Luke 6. And he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This passage is clear about three steps to a secure foundation. We need to come to Jesus, hear his word, and put them into practice. So when we come to Jesus, as I said, we're lifted out of that pit of destruction and our feet are placed on the rock. We have a secure salvation. But if we want to weather the storms of life, if we want to flourish, to have victory, to have stability and security in all of the stuff that's going on around us, and let's be honest, it feels like we're living in a storm, doesn't it? Then we need to do something. We need to continue to come to Jesus, to hear his words, and to put them into practice. This means spending time with Jesus, reading his word, and walking in obedience. Then when troubles come, and they will, we will have a solid foundation on Jesus, on his word, that will prevent us from being shaken to the point of collapse. This passage says that when the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Both houses looked the same. From the outside, you wouldn't know any difference. Both houses experienced the same devastation. They were in the same storm. Both would have felt the impact of that storm, but only one house remained standing. You know, our lives can often feel quite secure, can't they, until the crisis comes. And it's in those times that we discover where our foundation is. We read Isaiah 28 talking about the sure foundation, and it says the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I love that. You know, we can watch the news and panic can arise, can't it? We can look at our circumstances. We can look at the fuel bill. We can look at what's going on around us and panic. But there's no need to panic when Jesus is our foundation. The word for relies on in that verse means to trust in, to stand firm on. We can have complete confidence in the foundation we have in Jesus. And the more we draw close to him, the more we rely on him, trust him, stand firm on him, the more we will be able to withstand the storms of life without losing our faith, our hope, our peace, and our joy. Whatever our circumstances, whatever your circumstances here this morning, we have a rock who is secure, who will never fail. 
Many of us are familiar with Corrie ten Boom's story. Her and her family projected, protected Jews in Holland by hiding them from the Nazis and were themselves taken captive and put in concentration camps. And Corrie ten Boom says this, For I too had a hiding place when things were bad. Jesus was this place, the rock cleft for me. Just as David could look around him at the mountains, as we read earlier, and declare, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. In the same way, Corrie ten Boom could find comfort, strength, hope, and peace in the midst of the horrendous circumstances that she experienced in captivity. We have a God, we have a Jesus who is a sure foundation. He is our rock. So I want to say to you this morning, if you've never come to Jesus, you're in the mud. That's the truth. You have no secure foundation. You're in the pit. But there's a way out. And the way out is Jesus. Daryl, do you want to come up? And you can know that secure foundation today. You can come to Jesus and be lifted out of the pit today. And we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you to come to know Jesus, to get out of that place of insecurity and into a place of complete confidence that you are saved, that you have that salvation in Jesus, that you are, have an eternity in heaven, that you have a security in this life. That doesn't mean you won't go through storms, but means that you have a security in the midst of those storms. You can know that today. But for those of us who know we have that security of salvation, I want to tell you this morning that there is for some of people who may be feeling like, you know, you're, you're walking through mud right now, the truth is the rock is beneath your feet. I had a picture earlier, and it was a memory, actually, of when I was a child and we were walking in Wales, and we were climbing up a, a bit of a uh, side of a hill, and um, it was like um, just very loose rocks and slate, and we would go up three places and slide back down two places. And I just felt, you know, that there may be someone here today and you feel like you, that's your life at the moment. Two steps forward, three steps back. And I just believe God wants to encourage you. There's a rock beneath your feet. And that he wants to break through in your situation so that you can make progress. So if you are feeling this morning like you're, it just feels like whatever happens, you're just not getting there. There's just nothing firm. It feels like you're just sliding back down. Then we'd love to pray with you because Jesus is the rock. He is the sure foundation. And I also want to encourage anybody this morning who has any doubt in their mind that they're saved. You know, I remember... I, I gave my life to Jesus as a very young child. And many, many times after that, whenever there was an appeal, I would always respond because I wanted to make absolutely sure. 
But you know what? You can be sure. If you're feeling uncertain today, if you're feeling like, but maybe I've messed up too badly. Maybe I've, I've just made too many mistakes. Maybe I'm just not good enough. Your salvation is secure. And you can know that today. There's always a way back to Jesus. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all need to come back to the foot of the cross and repent daily. Come back to Jesus. I'm sorry. I've messed up. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. That should be our daily experience anyway, because we're all failing, aren't we? One way or another. But the grace of God is all we need. And we can be absolutely certain when we've given our lives to Jesus that even if we've messed up, he's not going to reject us. We can come back. There's always a place to come back. You will not lose your salvation. You can stand firm on that rock. There's always a way back. So we're going to sing uh, a song to end with. And I'd just like to give the opportunity for anybody who feels like, you know what, I could really do with some prayer today. Either because you want to come to know Jesus because you've not met him, you've not put your feet on that rock, you're still in the mud and you know that. Or maybe because you're just not sure. Well, be sure. You can be sure today. Then please come forward as we sing this song and we'll pray with you. Or maybe you are struggling with just feeling like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making progress. I feel like I'm all over the place. Let us pray with you. Stand with you. Declare over you. I believe God wants us to move forward in him. And then for the rest of us, I'd just like to encourage us. Are we committed to being living stones in this place? Because every single one of us matters. Every single one of us is an important part of this building, of this temple. And we want to be a temple for the dwelling of Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's our purpose, to be a place where he can dwell, where he can abide, where he can live, where he can have his way. So if you feel that any of that resonates with you, please come forward or come to the back. We'd love to just pray with you, stand with you. The person who prays with you will ask you what you've come for so we can respond accordingly. Um, thank you, Darren.